Genesis chapter 5. And today I want us to look at Enoch, which is a very uh, interesting thing to look at. But I, I just want to start with sort of a little bit of an, an emotional sort of thing. And um, in asking a question, you don't have to answer this out loud. I expect no answers from anybody. But do you ever wake up in the morning and you just don't feel like getting out of bed? Not because it's warm under the covers, which is part of the problem. But you just kind of wonder to yourself, why should I get up? Does it really matter? Am I making a difference? And, and if so, why do I feel so trapped? Why do I always feel tired? Why do I always feel exhausted? And maybe we ask ourselves the question, is there more to life than this? Get up, get ready. Go and do what you're supposed to do, get home, get ready for bed, go to bed, rinse, and repeat. And again, I don't know if that's something that you struggle with. I know at certain seasons in my life, it is something that I struggle with. And I'm always reminded that no matter what I feel, my hope and my prayer is that God sees something different about what's happening in my life. Now, what would be something that would help us with that? And I think if you're wondering, maybe something from the New Testament will really grab me and give me that sense of hope. But today, I want to look at a genealogy. How many of you love reading biblical genealogies? Right? Raise your hand. Top reading. Just get me into, get me into that nice, long genealogy, and I'll read it all day long. But Realistically, there are several genealogies that have some great things to tell us. And I want to look at this genealogy in Genesis chapter 5, getting to Enoch and looking at some things that we can see in Enoch that will ultimately lead us to looking at Jesus. So as we get into Genesis chapter 5, I'm going to start with verse 3. My apologies to the technical person. Uh, I, I change messages a lot, sometimes even Sunday morning. And so I've added a whole bunch of extra verses, my apologies. But I want to read this genealogy, and I want us to see what the formula is. I'm not going to read the whole thing, because I don't want you snoozing before you have to. Read this way, verse 3. When Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him in his very image. He named his son Seth. After the birth of Seth, Adam lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. When Seth was 105 years old, he became the father of Enosh. After the birth of Enosh, Seth lived another 807 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Seth lived 912 years, and then he died. Now, we can keep reading this on and on, and in a sense, you will tune out. Go to the one before our person Enoch, and it says Jared, verse 18. When Jared was 162 years old, he became the father of Enoch. After the birth of Enoch, Jared lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. Skip Enoch for the moment and read Methuselah. And it says when Methuselah was 187 years old, he became the father of Lamech. It goes on and on. The thing that I want you to see is there is a formula. You have someone whatever their name is, they are a certain age, 
and then they have children. And after that, they have other sons and daughters. And then after that, they live a certain period of time, and then they die. That's the formula over and over and over again. And quite honestly, if we're going to be honest, even though it is the word of God, it is boring. Genealogies are simply boring. But I want you to see something different here in verse 21. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared, not died, but disappeared because God took him. There's a difference. So the first thing I want you to catch today in this genealogy that we can learn from Enoch is that Enoch was different, and for that reason, God rewarded him. Now, let's put this in practical terms on what this whole genealogy thing has kind of been like. So if I'm going to go down the line, and I apologize because, again, I I warned you, you're in the front row, you're going to get used. Uh, I'm just going to look at everybody here down the front row, and I'm just going to give you an idea of what happened in this genealogy, okay? You are special. You matter to God. 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 Oh, brother, but you are special, and I appreciate you, love you, long to be with you. You're awesome. You are special. You matter to God. You are special, and you matter to God. All right. I wanted to say other things, but there's, you know, you don't want to quench the spirit early on. So what I want you to see, though, in all of this is that Enoch is different. He sticks out. Everybody's like, blah, 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 blah. And then, boom, out of nowhere, you have this story of Enoch. Now, the interesting thing about Enoch is here, Genesis 5, if I understand Genesis chapter 5, is it's showing us the consequences of the sin of Adam and Eve, which is basically death. Death has come into the world. And with death being in the world, now what you're seeing is repeatedly, this person has died, this person has died, this person has died. This sin that has happened has consequences, but this guy Enoch sticks out among everybody else and he does not die but he continues to live and God takes him now here's a little bonus point uh the two witnesses in revelation does anyone know who they might possibly be this is just a trivia question wrong or right answers don't matter does anyone want to take a guess you're shaking your head saying no so i'm going to go that you are the representative but i think if you would guess like i would guess you would say Enoch and Elijah. Why? Because they never tasted death because God took both of them and the witnesses in Revelation will taste death and now they will understand what a real resurrection body is like. That's a little extra bonus. Put that in your Christmas trivia and you will win. So Enoch is different. But when you think of Enoch, you think to yourself, oh, come on, man. How tough could it really have been 
to walk with God back then. I mean, they don't have the same kind of stuff that we have today. Like, do you ever look back at the old days and you think, man, in the old days, we had it, you know, it wasn't as rough and tough as it is today, right? Everything was kind of nice. Everything's kids were wonderful because back then we were the kids. Kids were wonderful. Life was wonderful. How many of you look back at the past with nostalgia? Right? We think then way back when it must have really been nice. But I want us to turn to the book of Jude in the New Testament. And I want us to see what is it that was like in the times of Jude. And we're going to look at verses 14 through 16. And here is our guy. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, that's our guy, prophesied about these people, the people who are around him. And he said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves. They flatter others to get what they want. Now, depending on what version you read, like if you read a New American Standard Version, which is a little bit more literal in its translation, you will hear the kind of people that Enoch was surrounded by. He was surrounded by ungodly people who were ungodly, who did ungodly things in an ungodly way a repetition of ungodliness. So a quick question for all of you that are under, like from the age of 14 to 18. When your parents say your name twice, what does that mean? Anybody want to guess? Should I ask right here? I know you want to say, what's your name? Naomi. Okay, so you're, didn't you, were you up here for the college thing? Oh, there's another Naomi. Okay, uh, I do pay attention. Uh, so Naomi, uh, how old are you? 17, okay, so if your parents say your name twice, Naomi, Naomi, is that an expression of affection? Uh, okay, it's an expression of something else. What would that be? Okay, well, well, not you, of course. We know that, but they're just saying we want to share with you our wisdom and advice, right? Yes. So, yeah, in a sense, when you hear your name twice, you know, something is serious here. I need to pay attention. But here, four times, in the midst of his prophecy, Enoch says, you ungodly people, ungodly, 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 tells us that the world in which Enoch lived was not a godly world, but one that was anti-God. They did not love God. They rejected God. They were arrogant. They were proud. They were pleased with themselves and lived for their own pleasures. So when you look at Enoch, you're not looking at someone who is living in a world that is greatly easy to actually follow after God. Now, the beauty of it is the kind of resources that Enoch had that surrounded him to help him follow God. So does anyone want to tell me what kind of resources he might have had? What resources do you think he would have had? Anyone want to guess? Now, if you nod, no, I'm going to go with that just in case. Okay, let's ask this question. What church did he go to? Anybody? Somebody please say none. Because there was no church back then. Uh, what Bible did he read? Old Testament or New Testament? 
<laughs> None of those either because there was no Old Testament just yet. What was his community like? What was his community, his small group or his Bible college or the seminary that he might have went to? What were they like? None of that either. He had absolutely no resources in which to walk with God in a culture that was set against God, that didn't want God at all. And yet, in all of this, we would see that Enoch was different. And because he was different, God rewarded him because God was pleased with him and God took him away. God breaks into the cycle of sin and death started by Adam and Eve's choice, passed on from generation to generation to generation, and God steps in and says, stop! Look at this guy, Enoch. He makes me happy. I am pleased with him. Look at what he is surrounded by, the ungodly. Look at his resources. He has none but me. And yet, he still walks with me. And if you ever wondered to yourself, is it possible to live in the world that we live in today and still follow Jesus? I think Enoch would say yes, because the resources that you have are much greater than the resources that I had. Mind you, the world that I lived in was different from yours technologically. But people were still people, proud, arrogant, and rejecting God. But because Enoch, by faith, walked with God, he did not die. All right, so let's go back to Genesis chapter 5. And let's read this again. Verse 21. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. And what I want us to see in this, the difference about Enoch was that he actually walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Now, two times in this, it says close fellowship or walked in close fellowship with God. Again, depending on what version you use, that idea of walking is to be with or to abide in or live with or whatever it is that you want to use as a term that talks about a real closeness a fellowship that Enoch experienced with God. Now, what does it actually mean to walk with someone? When God looked at him, God had a positive attitude towards Enoch. He was pleased with Enoch. He walked with him. Now, have you ever gone on a walk with someone? What what does going on a walk with someone symbolize? Anyone want to just throw something out there? Yes, no, not in a responsive mood today. Just talk and let's move on. Kind of. Okay, so you want me to move on. What does it mean to walk with someone? When was the last time you went for a walk with your neighbor's kids? Oh, come on. What kind of church is this? You don't go for walks with your neighbor's kids. 
Seriously? Right, why not? You don't really know them, right? Why would you want to, you have your own kids. If you don't go for a walk with your own kids, why would you want to go for a walk with somebody else's kids? When you go for a walk with someone, it's expressing something. Fellowship, community. Now, your walks may not be the greatest things, but at least you're together. Does anyone remember when you were dating and you walked places hand in hand with the person that you liked? Does anyone remember that? Right? Right? How many times do you see people walking hand in hand and they don't know each other? Wouldn't that be awkward? Try that. I guarantee, I would like to see you do this. What's the mall around here? Is it Stratford? It's not Woodfield. Okay, Fox Valley. Go to Fox Valley, walk up on someone, and say, can I please hold your hand and go for a walk with you? Let's shop together. Any takers? I would be willing to give you, actually, I would be willing to let Dave give you $100 for anyone who is willing to do that. I almost was going to say myself, but I don't know. I'm not going to that willing. Here's the idea. We walk with someone who is close to us. You don't walk with just anybody. And what I want us to see here is this, is that Scripture says Enoch walked with God, not before God, not after God, but with God. And God was pleased. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 5, it reads this way. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him, for he was taken up. He was known as a person who pleased God, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. This is Enoch that he's talking about, saying what? Enoch pleased God, and God rewarded him because of his faith. And I want us to see that it was his faith, not necessarily the things that he did. Do you know how many times Scripture talks about the miracles of Enoch? Just guess, and I'll give you a hint. It would be someone who serves in the Roman Catholic Church also known as Joshua's mother. Somebody's got to get that one. Yes, none, zero. There are no miracles recorded by Enoch. How many people followed God because of Enoch? How many? How many are recorded in Scripture? Same answer, none. We have no idea as to what Enoch did, or I'll say what Enoch produced for people to say and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that Enoch, he walked with God. Why? Because what God was looking at was his character, was his faith, the faith that he saw God, that he loved God, and it wasn't just an emotional expression of I love you, but I will follow you, I will obey you, and in this world that is ungodly, that people reject you and want nothing to do with you, I will still follow you because you are worthy. And God saw that and said, I am pleased 
because of your faith. You will not die. I will reward you. And now I will take you. You see, what we see in Enoch is what it means to walk with God. The things that God loved, Enoch loved. The things that God hated, ungodliness, sin, Enoch hated. And God saw that. Now, Enoch wasn't perfect. But by faith, he pleased God. He trusted God, and God rewarded him. Enoch was different, and God rewarded him. And he teaches us how to walk with God, which is by faith. And our faith is expressed by the way we listen, the way we love, and the way that we obey. There has to be a a practical sense in which Enoch continued to obey God throughout his life. And so what we see in this guy, this, this Enoch guy, is an absolute difference. Because to me, what I would say is there was something about Enoch's heart, his heart, that separated him from everybody else. Now, you can do a lot of good things and still not love someone. Here's what I mean. Imagine, uh, let's just look at the married couples. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up. How many of you love Valentine's Day? All right. Great answer. (laughs) I want to ask, are you married? (laughs) Because you're on the couch tonight, brother. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, okay, I'm going to make a confession. I think Valentine's Day is a hallmark holiday. I struggle with it. I really do. Because you can do all, you can get flowers and gifts and not really mean it. Have you ever come on a Sunday or in a small group and you've worshipped and you didn't mean it? Where you sat down and you studied the scripture together and you had a great insight and you're like, dude, that was pretty good, but it really doesn't mean anything to your heart. Where my favorite part of small group is when we sit down and we all talk about, this is what I'm going to apply this week, and then nobody does it the next week, but at least I had an application for Bible study. You see, you can do all that stuff, but not have a heart. And when I look at the scripture and I see Enoch, when it says that God was pleased with him, it means that God was joyful in his presence. God was happy to be with Enoch because Enoch listened and he obeyed. Does that make sense? There's a sense about walking with God. It's not just us walking with God. Like Enoch walked with God, but God walked with Enoch, and God was pleased to be with Enoch so much so that he said, Bro, No death for you, just come. That's what it means to walk with God. There is an emotional aspect, that love. There's a faith aspect, obedience. Trust and obey. So we see Enoch is someone who pleased God. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 5. I want to read it one more time and give us one last thing to look at. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of, of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. Now, 
you don't have to be good at math to recognize there's something else that's different about Enoch. Has anyone picked that out, even though we haven't read all of the genealogy, but can anyone pick it out? What is so different about Enoch than the rest of them, other than what we've already said? Anyone want to guess? Age. Did I hear age? Okay, yes, the age. Everybody else is like 800, 900 years old, but Enoch's only 365. And when I see that, and maybe this is just my projection of the Scripture, but what it helps me to see is that it's not the quantity of life that matters. It's the quality of life that matters. You can live 75 years, 95 years, go to church all those years and make very little impact church, the kingdom of God, the world, or whatever, where you can live 25 years, 35 years, and as you are seeking God, as Enoch would have sought God at that time, your quality of life is so much greater. You see, when we think of eternal life, what do you think of? You think of living forever, right? Most of us, oh, I have eternal life. I'm going to live forever. That's awesome. But Jesus in John 17 said, eternal life is this that they might know you, Father. Eternal life is something we live now. It is fellowship with God now, not sometime later in the by and by. And so the quality of life that you live is the quality of life that you can live as you walk closely to Jesus. And the closer you are to Jesus, the more quality your life is. So the quantity doesn't even matter because Enoch is saying, listen, all these other guys... We're just a part of the routine. God says, you, Enoch, are different. Your quantity, much less. But your quality, so much greater, so noticeable that 5,000 years later that I just want people to be sitting in some cafeteria in Naperville understanding that you are an example of what it means to follow God. That you are different And because of your difference, I rewarded you. And because of your difference, people are able to see in some ways what it is like to actually walk with me and to see my pleasure in the fact that we walk together. And so that people will see that there's a difference between length of life, quantity, and quality of life. Now, here's what would be horrible. If you left today and said, wow, I want to be like Enoch, so that's pretty good. I mean, I always thought genealogies were boring, but Enoch, man, this really sticks out when you really sit there and look at it. It would be horrible if you left looking to Enoch as an example of how to live. And I say that because when we celebrate Christmas, and this is how we bring Christmas into this, the thought is this. It's not that Enoch walked with God. It's the God, creator, and sustainer of our universe humbled himself to become like us, to dwell with us, to walk with us. That is craziness. That is craziness. I, 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 I struggle a little bit with the song because it kind of says that the song we sung earlier, I think it was no offense to uh, Will, sorry about that, uh, where it says, you know, God didn't want heaven without us. And I think there's truth to that. 
But I think the greater picture is just, it's all about Jesus. And that he came and walked among us to show us, like Enoch, how to walk with God. Jesus took it a step further and gave it all. Gave everything. He gave his life. Could you imagine if you recognized that the only reason that you're born is to suffer on a cross and die for the sin of the world and joyfully accept that and say, thank you very much. This is my longing. This is my desire to bring people to my Father. Now we see what it means to walk with God. It is to walk with Jesus, the very one who loves us, the very one who tells us that we matter, the very one who says that even though you lie in bed and you don't want to get up in the morning and you don't want to go live this life that's a routine and seems like nothing ever is happening, know this, you are more impactful in your world than you realize. Greatest Christmas movie ever, anyone? And don't say die hard. Yes, and why? Amen, brother. Here, you know what? Absolutely. Why? Because George Bailey said, I don't matter. I am worth, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I am worth more dead than alive. And it was a lie. It was a lie. If you watch the, I mean, you got to watch the movie. Come on. If you're a real true Christian, you will watch the movie at least once in your life. When you get to the end and you, he realizes, God, look at all the lives I have touched. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you this. Jesus came for all of us. He came for the world so that as he walked among us and showed us how to walk with God, the hope and desire was that as we understood that there is more to this life, even though I don't see it, even though there's more to this life, even though I don't, it reminds me um, in, in uh, um, not Habakkuk. I can't even think of what it is. It's where the temple is rebuilt. And uh, in the t rebuilding of the temple, the Lord says to the prophet, this temple, which was much shoddier than the one that was built, will show a greater glory. Why? Because 400 years from now, Jesus will walk through this temple. The greater glory. These people would never see that greater glory. You may never see what God wants to do through you in the world that you live in, but the joy one day to stand before God and see all of the lives that you have affected. Why? Because you were different. Because you followed Jesus in a world that was ungodly, that rejected God, was proud about it, rejoiced in it, and yet you still follow God, and God said, in you I am pleased. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So Enoch is a guide to the greater guide who is Jesus. And our encouragement is this during this Christmas season, to recognize that it is not about all of the things that you do. 
It's all about who you are, who God is making you and shaping you to be as his goal and his desire is to conform you into the image of his son Jesus in whom he was fully pleased as he accepted the sacrifice that Jesus gave. Enoch is just a launching pad to the greater glory of who Jesus is. And Jesus calls us to himself that when we are with him, like we talked about last time, when we be with him, he changes us, he transforms us, he makes us more like him, leads us into this world with a message that says, you are loved by God and you matter. Let's pray. Well, Father, I, I think you're absolutely amazing. Because I can look at myself and wonder, why me? Why not someone nicer? Why not someone kinder? Why not someone more caring? And yet me, why? It's a recognition that it's not really about me. It's really about you. And how your longing, how your desire is to bring people to you to experience abundant life, eternal life, the abiding life, the holy life, the full life, the satisfied life, the content life, to experience Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. So, Father, I pray during this Christmas season that we recognize really how great it is to imagine that the very being who created all of this would actually humble himself to live in a world of ungodliness and great sorrow because of how much it affected his heart, to die a gruesome death, to be choosing to be separated you for a moment as he took the sin of the world upon his shoulders, all for the joy of not them only knowing you, but that he would glorify you as well. This Christmas, may we be the type of people who follow Jesus with a greater and great, grander understanding that many men have sought to be God but only the one true God has become man. Jesus, we are grateful for you and for all that you have done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.